1 Corinthians 15 begins like this. Brothers and sisters, I want to call your attention to the good news that I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand. You are being saved through it if you hold on to the message I preached to you, unless somehow you believed it for nothing. I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Christ died for our sins in line with the scripture. He was buried and he rose on the third day in line with the scriptures. Skipping down to verse 12. So if the message that is preached says that Christ has been raised from the dead, then how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised either. If Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Verse 20. But in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first crop of the harvest of those who have died. Since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead came through one too. In the same way that everyone dies in Adam, so also everyone will be given life in Christ. Each event will happen in the right order. Christ, the first crop of the harvest, then those who belong to Christ and his coming, and then the end. When Christ hands over the kingdom of God, hands over the kingdom to God the Father, and he brings every rule, every authority, and power to an end. It is necessary for him to rule until he puts all enemies under his feet. Death is the last enemy to be brought to an end. A couple other scriptures just to think through this morning. 1 John 3 verse 8 says this, God's Son appeared for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2, 14-15 says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he also shared the same thing. In the same way, he did this to destroy the one who holds the power over death, the devil, by dying. He set free those who were held in slavery their entire lives by their fear of death. And so in the Old Testament, there is this theme of warfare in battle. The seas become this, this symbol, this place of the, the viciousness of the enemy. There are sea monsters that are believed to live surrounding the world in which they symbolize the chaos, an enemy of God. We read in the scripture that there is one called Satan, the devil or the accuser. He is depicted in the book of Revelation as a great dragon, a sort of sea monster of sorts. And there is a conflict between the serpent and the children of Adam and Eve. And the devil is said to be the one who holds the power of death. And people are all enslaved to these powers of sin and death. The book of Romans actually personifies sin and death as beings, as as spiritual realities in which enslave people. And so Jesus, God with us, takes on flesh and blood, just like his children, so that he could destroy the power of death. Jesus shared in flesh and blood to destroy the one who holds the power of death. I love this image. It's by Amber Sheely Irigi. It comes from the book by a early church father, Gregory of Nicaea. 
And it captures this quote of Gregory Nicaea. He says, so he's writing in 355 AD, just shortly after Jesus. He says, as in the case of greedy fish, the hook of the divinity might be swallowed with the bait of the flesh. And thus, when life came to dwell in death, and light shone in the darkness, that which is understood as the opposite of light and life might be utterly destroyed. And so what scripture teaches us is that the resurrection of Jesus is the great moment in which light breaks out of the tomb, and life and light are victorious over death and darkness. Death and darkness are destroyed. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And the resurrection is the first sign that God has won. The death of Jesus was bait, we might say. As Jesus hung on the cross, the powers of sin and death can't help but swallow up divinity. And so the confession of the Apostles' Creed goes, Jesus descended to the dead. But how can death and darkness Hold the very author of life and light. As the Christian confession is that light and life will always be victorious over death. And when the powers of sin and death swallowed up Christ, they were unable to keep Jesus in the grave. Light burst forth and death was swallowed up by death. And so the prophecy of Isaiah written, uh, what is this, around 700 years before Jesus becomes true. Isaiah wrote, he will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe every tears from every face. He will remove the people's disgrace from the whole earth. The Lord has spoken. Around the same time, the prophet Hosea prophesied, Will I ransom them from the power of the grave? Will I redeem them from death's hold? Death, where is your disease? Grave, where is your destruction? And so then, writing after the resurrection, Paul takes these prophecies and he brings them together. And I imagine that he sings this, because it seems like you have to sing something like this. He sings, Death has been swallowed up by a victory. Where is your victory, death? Where is your sting, death? The resurrection of Jesus is the great victory over death. No more do we need to be enslaved or afraid of death. No longer do we have to be caught in sin and shame. One of the things I've been reflecting on for the last number of months, actually, is the language we use when we talk about the resurrection. And sometimes we talk about resurrection as Jesus coming back to life. But I don't think that's the best language. Jesus doesn't come back to life. Rather, Jesus passes through death into new life. Jesus makes a way through death to life. Jesus stands on the other side of death and calls to us not to be afraid. Death is not the end. He has made a way through death to life. The resurrected Jesus, the gospel writers agree, is not a spirit. In the text we read in Matthew today, they fall at his feet. They hold on to him. He has physical substance. And yet, also all the gospel accounts say he's someone different. While carrying the wounds of his past, he is sometimes unrecognizable. Sometimes he walks through walls. There is something new. There is much historical evidence for why we believe in a physical resurrection of Jesus. We can talk about that some other time. What we do know is that the disciples meet a risen Jesus who has passed through death to life. 
Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, the sure sign that spring will come after a long winter. There is a continuation with the old body, but he has passed through death to life. He is a new creation. Whatever went into the tomb has come out different. This week I was reflecting on Psalm 23, written almost a thousand years before Jesus. The psalmist wrote, Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Given the resurrection of Jesus, the good news that Jesus has passed through death to life, those words take on a prophetic tone, don't they? Even though we still walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Paul told us that death is the last enemy of God to be defeated. Death is like a hungry lion preying on us all. None of us here live untouched by grief, and loss, and suffering, and death. But the resurrection means that death does not have the last word. And even though we continue to walk in the shadows, the hope is that Jesus has made a way through death to life. Jesus walks with us in these moments. He is like an expert guide. And even though there are times in which we feel loss and the weight of fear, we can trust that our good guide has made a way. He has been through this path and he knows how to get us to the other side. We can trust that when the powers of sin and death took hold of the crucified Jesus, their grip was not strong enough. Darkness cannot push back light. Death cannot contain the author of life. And just like winter can suffocate and kill everything we see, as soon as spring comes, those crocuses push up from the ground and say to the death of winter, no, you cannot contain us. One last thing I was reflecting on as we think about Easter is that this enemy of ours, Satan, the name literally means the accuser. Satan is the one who holds up the record of all that we have done wrong. It is the devil who accuses us of our evil, of our sin, of our rebellion. We heard on Good Friday in Isaiah 53, the passage in which Jesus carries our sickness, our suffering, our rebellion, our crimes. And Isaiah says, we laid that upon Christ. One pastor and theologian has said it well, the cross is not what God inflicts on Jesus in order to forgive. The cross is what God in Christ endures as God forgives. Jesus' death on the cross does not change God's mind about you and I. The cross becomes our place of healing. By the wounds of Jesus we are healed. As Jesus is on the cross, the world sins its sin onto him, and Jesus takes it all, all of our sin, our abuse, our wrongdoing, every last drop of evil and rebellion of sickness, every last drop of our crimes are sucked into the wounded king hanging naked on the cross. And then, once he has absorbed all of the world's evil, He destroyed the record of the debt we owed with its requirements that worked against us. He canceled it by nailing it to the cross when he disarmed the rulers and authorities and exposed them to public disgrace by leading them in a triumphal parade. You see, Satan, the accuser of God's children, was the one who kept the record of all of our debts or sins. 
It was the accuser who said that we were guilty, that we were worthy of death. It was the accuser who held up the law to condemn us. And Jesus takes all of those accusations, all that was meant and held against you and I, he takes them on the cross, he kills it, he destroys it, he cancels it by nailing it to the cross, and evil celebrated. Evil thought it had won. The devil bit the hook and swallowed Jesus whole. And then life won. Jesus rose from the dead, and the devil, the accuser, was disarmed. There is nothing left that the devil can accuse you of. There is no crime, there is no sin, there is no sickness or rebellion that has not been crucified with Christ. Jesus' resurrection means, so, as Romans says, so now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from law of sin and death. This year, as we walk forward in the power of the resurrected Jesus, this is my prayer for each one of us. That we would hear his voice calling from the other side of the grave, telling you that there is nothing to fear. Our good shepherd has made a way through death to life, and now he will walk with us every step of the way. We do not walk alone. I pray that you will know the hope of the resurrection, the promise that death and darkness, no matter how strong they feel in the moment, will not and cannot have the last word. Death could not hold life. Darkness cannot contain life. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. And finally, I hope that you will live in the freedom that the victory of Jesus won for us. So often we live our lives and we let Satan tell us what we are worth. We let Satan tell us that we are rebels and sinners and condemned. That God is upset with us or angry with us, looking to punish us. But these, my friends, are the lies of the accuser. God doesn't listen to that voice. We shouldn't either. The record of our debts, our sins, has been canceled. They have been nailed to the cross. And by the wounds of Jesus, we are healed. His wounds heal all of our brokenness, our sickness, our rebellion. So my prayer is that we will live in the freedom knowing that in Jesus there is no condemnation. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to destroy the works of the devil. The resurrection is the definitive revelation that in Jesus there is victory, that God is victorious, and that the only power that we should be listening to today is that of the voice of the Holy Spirit, which says there is no condemnation. Live freely as the children of God. And so one last scripture to share with us this morning. Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful very patient and full of faithful love. God won't always play the judge, and he won't be angry forever. He doesn't deal with us according to our wrongdoings, because as high as the heaven is above the earth, that is how large God's faithful love for those is who honor him. As far as the east is from the west, that is how far God has removed our sins from us. Amen. He is risen.